Hi, I'm Steve Addison and you're listening to The Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today I'm talking to Charlie Burke from Exponential Australia about Acts and the movement of God. Hello and welcome again to the Exponential Australia Church Leaders Podcast, where we are providing space and opportunity to hear from uh, leaders from all around the globe, and particularly from Australia when it comes to multiplication and church planting. Uh, it is our passion to see the Australian church rise on the church planting uh, in the next decade and beyond. And today we're joined by a well-known person here in Australia, by Steve Addison, is the leader of movements and is a prolific author. He's now written six books, of which today we are going to be focusing on his latest release. Uh, but, Steve, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast with us today. Thank, thanks, uh, Charlie. I don't know if I'm a prolific author or just have a life-controlling habit, but <laughs> there you go. Either way works for us today. Well, hey, uh, maybe for those who aren't as familiar with some of your work, Steve, maybe if from parts of the church where haven't heard of you or heard of some of the, the things that you write about. Maybe give us a bit of a sketch of your background, uh, where you find yourself today, and just some of your passions in ministry. Sure. Well, I, I grew up at the church that's now called Crossway and um, came to faith in my teens, a messed up teenager. Uh, and... Um, you know, I, I, I guess uh, some of the issues I was facing in life didn't go away. Uh, and I came back to Christ after running from him um, through a guy whose life had been changed on, on, on the hippie trail wow. in India. And, um, and as a result of that, I ended up in, in Amsterdam um, in a discipleship, evangelism discipleship community there uh, back in the 70s. Um, making disciples amongst what was the sort of the rest of the hippie generation. Met my wife there. She's Australian, Michelle. And um, so returned and uh, a few years later, uh, Crossway sent us out to plant their first church, which we did. Um, And it was an amazing experience. It went very well. Um, But in the second year, we had a big church fight, you know, and I, that's just something Baptists like to do. It's part of our heritage. Um, and in the midst of all that, God really got a hold of me in a way that he'd never done before. Uh, it's amazing how a bit of pain helps get your attention when it comes to the Lord. And there was a, a much deeper surrender to him, laying down my life and ministry, the church we planted, and, you know, for a few months, I just sought the Lord and said, what's your agenda? What are you up to? Why have you got my, you know, why, why are you speaking through this pain? Um, and clear as a bell one morning, I was just out in the garage waiting on God, out of desperation rather than discipline. Um, and he just said, Steve, it's not just about one church. It's about a whole new generation of churches across Australia and beyond. Um, and that's when the sort of the movement uh, penny dropped for me, that my calling was not just to be a church planter, plant one church, but 
on God's heart are nations and the nations, and it's going to take multiplying disciples and churches to see that happen. So I've been on that journey ever since. That's more than 30 years ago of pursuing movements that um, get the gospel out, make disciples, and 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 then reproduce from, from where we are to the ends of the earth. So good. And, of course, um, what you've just summarised there is, is the heart of existential. We want to see disciple-making, church perpetuating, yeah. multiplication. So very much joined with you in that prayer for Australia and beyond. Now, of course, um, part of today, Steve, is that we're celebrating the release of your new book, which is called mm-hmm. The Movement of God, which is wonderfully exciting for you and a potential to encourage and impact our nation. Um, I wonder if you just kind of, obviously uh, without spoiling too much, but give us an overview of your book, give us an overview of, of where that, I guess, heart came from and, and why did you write the book in the first place, Steve? Yeah, well... My journey sort of started with an, a big aha moment in, in at the end of Luke's gospel because Luke wrote the gospel and then he wrote Acts. He's the only gospel author who says, you know, there's two parts to this story of the Lord Jesus. One is, you know, his earthly ministry, let's tell the story of the gospel, but the risen Lord continues to work. So let's let's detail that in, in the book of Acts. And they are in Luke 24 and the disciples are just, they're finished, you know. <laughs> Let's go back to fishing. Yeah. <laughs> so there was never going to be a movement of God out of those disciples, even though Jesus had trained them. They had three years with him. Um, so Jesus pulls them back together. Jesus restores them. Jesus prepares them, that this rabble, to become a missionary movement. And how does he do that? Well, he says, guys, you know, let's let's go on a journey from the writings of Moses, from Genesis, right the way through the Psalms and the prophets to Malachi, and let's understand the purposes of God. Yeah. And so he explains from the scriptures why the Messiah had to come and suffer and die for the sins of the world, why he how he rose from the dead. And then he gives them the core missionary task. You know, you're going to take this gospel for repentance, leading to the forgiveness of sins um, from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And it's like, and then the, the next thing he does is he promises them the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So that's where Acts begins with, you know, this is what it means. This is our identity as the people of God, God's people. What are we on about? We're about surrendering in a, to, to, the, to the Father's word in the scriptures. We're about the living word. That's what Jesus bases this on. We're about the dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit for the task he's given us. But then what is at the very core of this missionary task, it's to multiply disciples and communities of disciples, churches, from where we are to the ends of the earth. And once you see that, well, Acts makes sense because that's what happens in the book of Acts. Yeah. Um, we never rise above what we see in that book of Acts. Um, it's our it's our marching orders in this age of the Spirit. Um, yeah. So what could be more important than understanding um, the book of Acts and, and bridging? I talk about there's a gap between our present experience 
and the movement of God described in the book of Acts. And what Luke is writing to every new generation saying, let me help you bridge that gap. Mm. Wow, incredible. And so um, in terms of how you've been out of it, see that flow on from the book of Acts, you know, in terms of, you know, it's, it's one thing to read it there, but obviously that is set as something of a standard benchmark for the church ongoing um, just 2,000 years ago, but also today and until Jesus returns. I wonder if there have been, you know, examples that you've been able to point to, Steve, where this is happening around the globe, this sense of dynamics and movement. And I'd love to both hear about that in terms of in the developing world because we hear wonderful stories of the church bring exponentially parts of the world. Mm. Some of the cynicism from the Western church can be like, well, where is this happening in in a Western context, we want to see this happen yeah. in Australia and in the West. Um, could you mm. give us an example of both and, and yeah. it's been out of happen? Yeah, I can. Before I give you an example, I'll give you a paradigm, though. Sure. Um, when someone says it's not working, they've misunderstood Acts mm. because Acts is not about the apostles and the early church and how they came up with these great creative thought-leading ideas, that, and they got the job done. Acts is about the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and God hasn't changed. And so you can't just read Acts for technique, for little, if we just tweak this, you know, if we just contextualise like that. Mm. First of all, you read Acts to see um, how does God interface with the world? How does he work in history through his people Uh, to get the gospel, as Jesus said, would happen from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. And and wherever this word goes in Acts, the fruit is always disciples and churches to the glory of God. Yeah. So in that sense, um, we need to remember what the book of Acts is about. Mm -hmm. It's about the living God and say, well, Lord, how do we see that happen today? Well, it helps to believe his word, to depend on his spirit, and to commit ourselves to the core missionary tasks, yeah, which Westerners struggle with, yeah, okay, with each of those things, because either the word is something we trap in the service or the seminary, or the spirit. You know, Pentecost comes, the spirit fills the room. What's going to happen today? Mm. We're going to get a live video feed. And we're going to beam that out to the world. They can come and and watch us have revival. Yeah. Well, what happens at Pentecost? Mm. Does it take like five minutes or 15 minutes between when the spirit falls upon God's people and the word hits the streets? Oh, wow. So it's the word and the spirit, and by the end of that Pentecost day, what is, what is it that Luke's holding up to us? What's the fruit of the Word and the Holy Spirit? It's disciples in community, churches scattered throughout mm. Jerusalem and overflowing beyond. Yeah. So, you know, there is, look within if we're not seeing these breakthroughs in the West because yeah. there is a lot of cynicism about God's Word. There is a lot of trapping the word and the spirit in the auditorium or the conference or the whatever. It's very true. Um, There is a real questioning about the power of the gospel to bring salvation. Mm. Um, 
But where is it happening today? Well, I've just come back from the the, the border between uh, Thailand and Laos, and Laos is a poor country. It's a country uh, still uh, governed by, by communists. It's a, com a country where the believers are under intense pressure. So if you pop your head out and start sharing the gospel, planting churches in Laos, you'll, you'll end up in prison or occasionally you'll end up disappeared. You and sometimes your family will just disappear. Um, so we're, we're close with some of the people on the other side of the border um, with what's going on in Laos. A lady came out, a couple of workers, one of them a middle-aged lady, we'll call her Ying, and she came to know Christ. I think her husband disowned her. Um, she is throughout the nation training and mobilising people with the blessing of her denomination to share the gospel, make disciples and start simple churches. Wow. And I just asked Ying, I said, well, just to give us an idea, in, in, in the last year or so, how, how many churches have you started? And she looked to a co-worker and they talked for a while. And she said, we think about a 1,000. Wow. Okay. Now, why is Ying, you know, she's crossed the Mekong River, not just to meet with me. I, I just fortunately was able to, yeah. to be there when she was there. Why has she come across? Because the believers in Laos, this impoverished, communist, persecuting nation. They've come across the Mekong to help the Thai believers reach their communities Wow! because the Laotians know how to do it. <laughs> they have confidence in the gospel. They're happy to go into community. They just go in and offer prayer to people. You know, can we pray for a need? And they pray for them. They share the gospel and they they just teach them how to read God's word for discipleship and obedience and form communities together. So they'll come across for a couple of weeks and then sneak back across the Mekong. So, you know, that's happening, we know, all around in the developing world. Yeah. And we're very upset that it's not happening in the West. When Well, the West has had the gospel for a couple of thousand years. Mm. And 100 years ago, we were saying, well, they were saying, how, how could this be a true true Christianity when it's confined to the, it's a white man's religion? Yeah. Well, now <laughs> it's a black and a brown man's. And, you know, the most, the most common Christian on the face of the earth right now is yeah. maybe it's a Brazilian or a Nigerian, it's a female, and it's young. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the future of world Christianity, you know. Um, but it is happening in the West. Uh, I could tell you about movements in the Texas prison system, but then someone said to me once, yeah, but what's that got to say to us in the suburbs, you know? <laughs> but there is started in maximum security, you yeah. know. Um, and, and people have to read the book to hear hear that story. Because I'm going to tell you, in, in central London, downtown there, amongst um, inner, inner city workers who are working high-tech companies like Google and Apple and, and Facebook, um, Colin and Lindsay Seal, they got their start in Austin, Texas. She's got a Google background. He's got a finance background. 
they're teaching people how to have gospel conversations in the workplace. Huh. Just really simple reproducing methods. Mm. And um, people are sharing with colleagues over coffee or lunch. They're even workers are going out. They've got a half-hour lunch break. They're going out doing community care. Amazing. Well, surprise, surprise. They do what they do in Laos. Hey, we're just out caring for our community uh, over the lunch break. Is there anything we can pray for you? Mm. Uh, and then they are able to follow up with their story or a simple way of sharing God's story and invite someone into a discovery uh, approach of reading the scriptures in their lunch break. Wow. Last time I talked to Colin and Lindsay, a couple of hundred people have come to Christ in central London. Wow. But what's even more exciting is, and they're they're doing church in the workplace. Yeah. Okay, we've got 45 minutes, we've got an hour, let's meet together and do what disciples do, gathered around the word with prayer, with uh, thanks to God, with all just simple ways of being the church there in central London. But what about friends and family and neighbours? So they said, well, why don't you why don't you be in two churches? We'll form one in the workplace, but how about you start one with your family in your neighborhood and we'll train you to help? And that's happening. Wow. So it's 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 not on the scale of what we're seeing in Laos or Nepal or India or, Ni- or Nigeria. But wherever the gospel's getting out through ordinary people and simple approaches like that offer of prayer. Mm-hmm. We're seeing fruit and we're seeing disciples made. Amazing. The, the challenge is the multiplication bit in the yeah. West. And, but it is how I've got more stories, but I'm not conscious of time. But there are exceptions to the rule where multiplication is taking place. Wow. No, it's very encouraging, Stephen. And I think that's very much a mindset shift that the Western church is in the process of making by way of, um, you know, it's, it's, about making disciples that are making disciples, planting churches that plant churches. There is not necessarily an end game in terms of what we're doing as church planters, as those who are passionate about multiplication. It's actually that the ongoing losing of control and seeing that happen in a Western context where people are doing that. Um, yeah, and I, I, I would shift the focus. Multiplication is the fruit Mm-hmm. of the spread of the word. Wow. It's not that, oh, we just got this mathematical equation. If everyone disciples one or, you know, that's putting the focus back on us. Mm-hmm. But in the book of Acts, the engine room of the spread of this movement of God is God's dynamic word, yeah, it's the message about Jesus, the call to repent and believe. And wherever this, and Acts, it's like, it's so untheological. You know, Luke says um, the word of God grows, it spreads, it multiplies. There's a number of summary statements throughout Acts, and they, they refer back to this multiplication, which you mentioned. But the focus isn't on us. Yeah. The focus is, I mean, the apostles in the first half of Acts are catching up to what the word is doing through ordinary believers. Mm-hmm. And so the fruit of wherever this word goes, the fruit is always multiplying disciples and churches, oh, wow. glory of God. Yeah. 
But the engine room is the word and the spirit through ordinary believers. And then the focus is, okay, that's the thing. We can't control multiplication, but we we can participate in what God is doing through his word and the spirit. Um, and not just, see, nobody's ever saved by my story or even my good example. That that prepares a way for the for the gospel. But but people need to hear God's word yeah. and turn and put their faith in Christ. That's where the dynamism is yeah, wow. in, in the movement of God. Great, Steve. I wonder particularly a lot of our conversation today is potentially most relevant for uh, denominations and denominational leaders, uh, senior church leaders of existing churches, where maybe that dynamic of movement has potentially been lost, particularly mm-hmm. in our institutions and structures and, and even in some of our denominations, we use the movement, but movement uh, is, has potentially um, been lost from the from the, the lifeblood of those organisations. I wonder, particularly as you have released this book, as this has been your life's passion, what would be some of your encouragement to, to leaders who fall in that category going, maybe we've become stagnant in our movement. How can we mm. re-engineer or catalyze or spark that become part of the organizations that we lead today? Sure. And I, I addressed that a couple of books ago, the rise and fall of movements. But it's very similar to, to the Gospels and Acts. You know, what's driving that bell curve? What drives the, the upward lift? Uh, what's causing the, the plateau and decline? At the heart of this is, you know, in terms of is is the life and ministry of Jesus. You know, just as he taught his disciples before the movement was launched at Pentecost, he in the in the wilderness at his baptism, he is the obedient son surrendered to his father's work. He is dependent upon the Holy Spirit for his life and ministry. He's committed to the core missionary task of making disciples throughout the world. And so the bad news is as you drift from that, those three identity pieces, you go into decline. There's a delay and then you you go in. The good news is as you return to those that identity piece, you know, isn't you know, it's not just a management consultant restructuring sort of this is the movement of God. Yeah. So make sure, not just, you know, up here we believe the word of God, but we we live it, we proclaim it, we stay if the culture shifts, we bear the heat. Yeah. On what this book says, what Jesus says about sex and marriage. Mm. Um and we, we, we have a hundred years of experience of what happens when evangelicals drift into unbelief when it comes to God's word. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's death. You know, it just will delay. There's a momentum and then there's a delay. Um, and so it's important to, to, to find ourselves in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Then the other principle is the breakthroughs occur on the fringe. Yeah. So, okay, and we're seeing a number of legacy churches, larger churches that are saying, okay, we can't totally reinvent ourselves. Okay, we've got some history here. 
But we can train and form and release some teams. Mm. You know, some, it, in some cases, like megachurches are saying, well, we're a megachurch. We love doing that stuff. We love crowds. Jesus loved crowds. But we also have some pioneering teams that are working amongst Bangladeshis in London and all Nepalese in South Carolina, you know, and they're applying these movement principles. And like Barnabas and Paul with Antioch, they're staying in touch and reporting back. And those pioneer teams are actually helping to renew the mothership. Yeah. Um, And some of those individuals who got their start in their own backyard, pioneering in unreached communities and people groups, uh, are now in places like the Middle East and Pakistan. Mm. And and with that church standing with them, so have some grandchildren. That's what I like to say. Well, um, don't deconstruct yourself overnight because you'll just discover we've got nothing left. Yeah, it's it's better to have some pilots, some exceptions, some experiments, but around getting back into face to face disciple making. Right, um, church formation. Yeah, awesome. So I'm hearing it's happening. It, it starts on the margins, and we want to create, you know, grandchildren of, of potentially what we're a part. Yes. No. Yeah. yeah. As long as, you know, Gaudi, the, if you've ever been to Barcelona, seen the amazing cathedral there, he says, how how do, how do you, how can you be original by returning to the origin? All right. So make sure, and that's why I wrote the book on Acts, that we're getting back to the life and ministry of Jesus, Gospels yep. and Acts. Otherwise, it'll be something on the margin, but but that doesn't have staying power. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, totally. Now, the last question I'd like to ask you, Steve, today, and we so appreciate your time, particularly as Exponential is all about championing church planters, um, you know, for for. For those who are at the outset of planting a church or thinking about a church, this this dynamic of movement that comes from the Book of Acts, uh, particularly for those who may be setting out to plant a church, how do you, how would you want to encourage church planters to think about movement and movement dynamics in the planting of your church, so as to uh, not just be about even aiming to plant one church, but the dynamics of movement that flow through pioneering new work. Well, Neil Cole has a very good saying, um, and uh, it is how you make the next disciple will determine whether or not you can get to movement. Uh, it doesn't determine you getting there, but it'll, whether you have that possibility. And what that means is um, don't just think multiplying, think how are we going to make the next disciple, right? So can that person right from the beginning go home and explain to a loved one or a partner or a relative or a neighbour what God has done for them? Yeah. How you make that decision. When you lead someone to Christ, do they know how to go and make a decision? Could they sit down after a few sessions with you and sit down with folks at home or at university and they could open the Bible and start asking some good questions that get discussion flowing. Yeah. So everything you do has to have um, this movement dynamic built into it, or really you you'll just 
attract an audience. Yeah. And that's what a lot of church planting is. We're just attracting an audience. I've yeah. done that before. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's not bad. It's not a bad <laughs> thing to do. But you you're not cutting into a lost world. Yeah. And so it's 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 essential to get some some training about keeping it simple, keeping it focused on on making disciples who can reproduce, planting churches that can reproduce. Mm. It's fantastic, Steve. Well, hey, we so appreciate all that you have given to the Australian Church over the last um, yeah, X amount of years, your, your contributions via the book that you've written, particularly as we celebrate the release of your new book. Uh, Steve, I wonder where people go and find out how can they get that in their hands? Yeah. Well, uh, the good news is we're working with Kurong, and I'd say within by the time this interview gets out, Kurong will have it, Amazon has it, and if you're interested in... Um, bulk orders or you can't get the book then just just come and see me at movements.net that's where i live on the web movements.net well thank you so much steve we really appreciate your time thanks again well thanks to charlie burke and exponential australia for making that recording available coming up in uh, october 17 to 18 i'll be on the Gold Coast for the uh, the inaugural uh, Exponential Australia Conference. So just search Exponential Australia and you'll find all the details. Until next time, this has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.